You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, this is uh, Rabag versus Rabbeinu Let's start tonight with the psukim that we uh, just read. Um, and last week's parasha. Yaakov comes to this new place called Haron, and um, he sees what's happening, and he sees that there are groups of shepherds, and there's flocks, and he immediately, his reconnaturing indicates to him that there, there needs to be watering, and the watering is done only once uh, a period in the morning and the afternoon. He sees everything there. Now, Yaakov, of course, is on a mission. He's on a mission from his parents uh, to find a certain family, to find the family of Lovon. The Torah decides to give us some dialogue. Let's take a look. Here you can see the Pasuk here on the board. Ayomer lahem Yaakov, achai, my brethren, ma'enatem, where are you from? Hey, where are you from? Bayomru, and they said back to him, We're from Choron. Ah, okay. And the Torah gives us this sort of like very exciting dialogue, right? <laughs> Where are you from? Yeah, we're from Choron. So it's sort of weird. Like, why is the Torah doing that? I mean, Yaakov shows up, he finds Rachel. Okay, like, is, is, is it that crucial to, to know? What's going on? Um, and then, of course, Yaakov says, um, Hey, Hayadatim uh, as Lovon ben Nochor. You know this guy, Lovon? Vayomru. And they said, Yeah, yeah, no, 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 we know that guy. Yeah, we know him. Okay. Um, then the Pussy goes on. Vayomru Lehem. Then Yaakov says, Hmm. Hashalom, though? Yeah. Yeah. Is he all right? Yeah, Shalom, yeah, he's all right. Now, here's Rachel, his daughter's coming there. Then Yaakov says, all right, here's Rachel with the, with, the, uh, with, with the flock here. And then he sort of turns to them and says, hey, you know what I am Godo? Um, you know, it's like in the midday here, and you guys are sitting here with the flock, or just lying here. This isn't like like when when the day should be over. Hashkuatzon. Uh, I mean, isn't it time for you guys to uh, to sort of like do some stuff here, like like give water to the sheep? Why aren't you guys doing that? Why don't you go and get some water and then go out and graze? The sheep will have what they need. So then they give him an answer, right? They say, well, you know what? We have to wait for everybody to show up because unless everybody's here, you know, there's some sort of rule. We need everybody to show up over here. Okay. Now, um, not exactly, you know, a st- scintillating dialogue here. Like, like what's, what's happening? And, and why does the Torah give us... Again, the main thing is that he meets Rachel, right? And the main thing is that he's there and, and of course, he's going to get involved with love on... So... Let me show you what Ralbag says on these psukim. So Ralbag says, he says, the toelis, the lesson, 
what lesson do you get from the fact that Yaakov says to them, hey, where are you from? He says, there's a lesson here. What do you learn? What sort of mida do you learn from here? When you meet someone for the first time, you should come with a certain, not a gruffness, the exact opposite. You're a stranger, you actually speak in a in a manner that, that is pleasing to them. It's like, and, and you know that you need stuff from them. Why? Because if you start off friendly and you start off sort of some somewhat, you know, like interested in a in, in, in a in a good way, you might get something from them. So therefore. When he comes and he asks them, like, where are they from? That's obviously like a, uh, you know, a nice, it's something nice. And he says, my brethren, my brothers, right? Achai. So in other words, everything about Yaakov's body language and the tone in his voice, although we didn't see that, can be seen from the fact that he calls them my brothers. I have a connection. You're strangers to me. But look, look how submissive I'm acting. I'm, I'm, I'm acting in a way that I understand that I'm really new here and I'm smiling and I'm sort of like uh, diffident to you and I'm, 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 sta- I'm standing a little bit distant. I'm not aggressive. I, like I say, yeah, all right. That's one thing. The second thing is, he says, the Toela Sashemi, who bemidos. What is that? That when you need to ask a question, and you're afraid. And the guy who's listening might consider you a jokester or, or a fool, perhaps. Why? For example, You want to know A, but you're afraid by asking A, you might appear an idiot or just like you're making fun of the person. So that's not really what's going on. So ask something else. Ask something else. And this way you can use that other question, which you really don't want to know, don't need to know, as a way to answer the question that's really bothering you. Because since you you don't want to appear foolish and you don't want it to be misinterpreted, so ask sort of a bland question, which also gives the answer to what you're after. Now, what is the, what the Rao Bach says, what does that mean? The real question that he added was, what he wanted to know was, can I get the Choron this way? Am I on the right road? Right? That's really the question. The question is, I got to get the Choron. I don't know where I am. He doesn't have a GPS with him, right? He's not sure if he's in Choron or not. I'm not sure. So therefore, if I answer, if I ask them, Hey, is this Choron? It's like a guy shows up on 42nd Street. A guy's right there at Times Square. And he, 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 he finds a guy walking by like, the street, rushing to the subway. Hey, is this Manhattan? Uh, uh, am I in New York? You can imagine what the person is going to say. Nah. <laughs> nah, you're in Poughkeepsie. Right? What's he going to say to him, right? Nah, no. You're in San Francisco Bay. Jump in. That's what the guy is going to say. So Yaakov is sort of in the same boat. He's not sure where he is. So he's not going to say, 
Uh-oh, is this Choron? Am I in Choron here? You don't want to say that. Because why? A country bumpkin or some guy who's trying to pull my leg. Why? A lot of times, especially when people don't know you, and they think that you know where you are, and they assume you know this is Haran, they assume, yeah, what's this guy? What's this guy after? He's asking these weird questions. Of course. Most people think if you're coming here, you know where you're going to go. You probably have pretty good directions. You probably were given some sort of indicator that you're in Chorah. Most, pe- most people on the road know where they're going. So if a person asks, where am I? He's probably just pulling my leg. Yaakov is not pulling their leg. He really doesn't know. But he knows that's the way it's going to be interpreted. So he invents another question. What's his question? He figures... I'll ask them, hey, where are you guys from? Because that way he can figure out whether he's in Choron or not. So if they say we're, he can figure out, is this Choron or isn't it? So this way they'll either say, uh, we're from here, from Choron. Oh, now we know it's Choron, right? Or they'll say, yeah, uh, we're from Choron. We came over here to get some water. Oh, now I know I'm not in Choron. Either way, the question is basically a subterfuge to be able to figure out what's where he really is and not to ask the question in such a direct way. Um, let me show you one other thing that he says here um, in terms of, he says, this is not a time to, uh, isn't this a time to not to sit around? Says the Raubag. When you meet people, even if they're strangers, try to do whatever you can to get them to be better. Even though you don't know them, your purpose is to try to enhance better citizenship and more involvement and, 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 and not laziness. The truth is, if it's done properly, people will love you for it, he says. Because they see you care about what they're doing. And they see you want their better, they want the stuff that's better for them. That's what Yaakov says to these people that he's now made friends with. He says, you know, isn't this a doesn't it make sense for you guys to uh to to uh to right? Um don't you shouldn't you give your the zone uh their water here and you'll be able to get the maximum amount of uh of, of 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 roe, you're about the amount of grazing. It's it's not time to just uh, to, to to bring the sheep home. So this is this is the Rabag says shows you that even among strangers, try to ask and do things in a way that makes positive suggestions. Um, 
let's say when um, when Yaakov sees Rochel, um, even though you're supposed to wait, Yaakov decides that he's going to actually, on his own, pick up this big stone and give water uh, to uh, the sheep of Lovan. So Ralbag says, Who When you know you have a relative, despite the fact you should be positive with everybody, um, relatives especially should do whatever you can. Look how quick he went. When he saw it right away, he said, let me, let me take care of you. He picked up this whole thing all by himself, but generally they needed all, everybody's help to sort of push this away from the, the mouth of the well. Now, how do we know that Yaakov was so strong? Because we know, we know as a Novi, that's one of the things a Novi needs. And here he, he, he uses Chazal that says, Okay, let me show you one last, one last thing here, which I thought was quite interesting. We know when um, Yaakov is waiting for his wife. So, um, after he works seven years, here is the um, Yaakov's words. All right. Havas ishti. Give me my wife already. Because I've done what I had to do already. And therefore, so I can basically have intercourse with her. Right? Rashi says right away. Right? Here's Rashi. Who talks like that? Right? Yaakov, last week we gave a whole shear, right? And Dover Megunne, and Dover Mechubed, and Nivopet. Right? What's going on with Yaakov? Right? So Rashi says, well, he's so l'shem shamayim, he means I need to have children. Because why? As Rashi says, I'm 84. And that's why I, I need to start bringing the shvatim into the world. He's 84 years old. So when you're 84 and you've got a life's purpose, you have to suspend a little bit with with, with, with the with this type of you know uh, worrying about speaking in a Russian that's natural kavod, you got to get to the point, okay? Uh, because you got to bring the shvatim into the world. Um. Now, the Ralbag knew this Rashi and knew this Chazal, but look at the way the Ralbag says it. Ralbag says, "You see some midos here." A person should not deny himself because of some embarrassing feature, because it's embarrassing. When the thing that, that, that he's trying to stay away from will be very negative. So he shouldn't let the idea of tznius 
or saying something embarrassing stop him when something is very important? Give me my wife so I can have relations with her because I am getting old. And because maybe I won't be able to find someone later. He wasn't saying, I can't talk. He wasn't like being sheepish about it. When something is critical, Tznius and Busha take a backseat. If you're going to be so embarrassed and so hemming and hawing, when this is really your life to have children, that's like a chosid, but an idiot. You see, there's a woman who's drowning in the river, and you say, oh, I can't jump in. Because by jumping in, I'm going to check her out. She's probably, her clothes have sort of started to slip off of her body. The Raubad compares these two ideas and says, of course, you're not going to uh, stand on some sort of weird aspect of Tznius when something is so crucial to you. Not so much because you are the mystical father of the Israel. And Akrashi like says, I need to bring 12 Shvotim into the world. No, I need to have kids, whatever it is. He's not necessarily the head of, yes, he happens to be the head of Claudius Rome, but it's not because he's this mystical power. Every person should be this way. There comes a point where Bushat always takes a back seat. Okay, so I've brought you five, I think four different, what the Raubag calls a toilet, which in our advertising, I called lessons, literary lessons from the parsha that the Raubag has done here. And if you if you, if we take a look of how many in this section, yeah, I, I think he ends up with about thirty-seven or thirty-eight lessons like this. Here's another one that I, I, I skipped before. Um, the um, we know that of course Lavan uh, switches women on him, and he ends up of course working another seven years. On, to get Leia or to get Rocho after he's been given Leia. And he gets another set and he works another seven years. Um, the Raubag says here that what do we see from here? The first thing is that if you've been hoodwinked, and Lovan hoodwinked uh, Yaakov. Yaakov thought he could, you know, uh, compete with Lovan. Lovan had him two ways from Sunday. Lovan had him. But once you've been had, and Lovan can point to the document that shows that, hey, I never agreed, I never said this one, whatever it was that Lovan gets out of it, you accept it, and you fulfill what you're supposed to do. He did it. He fulfilled what he said he was going to do. Now, Rashi says the reason is, is because, you know, in other words, that 
he's just waiting for Rachel. It's like it didn't have, like it's like he's not. It's like yeah, it's it's all time that he loves her so much. But the real point is, is that when you say you're going to do something, you do it. So basically what you see from here is that even though you're dealing with a bad boss, you're dealing with a boss who, 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 is a, who, who uses contracts and sneakiness to get the most out of you, but you agree to do it, you do it believe shoving, even though the situation is unfair. In terms of... Yes. So, does the rabbi just sort of tosses out the Midrash Rabbah that says that Leah, uh, when he, when Yaakov said to her, why did you answer me when I referred to you as Rachel? You know, she says, well, you said that you were Esau. Right, right. I mean, does he just not? He just gets rid of that. Like he, does, he, per- does, he doesn't deny that that Leia felt hated. He doesn't deny that because the pasuk says the very next pasuk. There was obviously something that wasn't. You know, he wasn't happy, um, right? But, but uh, he, he doesn't. Have- de- he doesn't deny the fact that that um, that Leia felt like she was not as loved as as Rachel. No question. But I'm talking but, about a Mecca. It, what's the word? Mechach ta'ut. right. But, but, but again, however the Raubag, however it was explained, the Raubag might have understood that Laban could make his case, although Yaakov felt he was gypped. But the truth was, he accepted <laughs> it. And once he accepted it, he worked, right? He, he, right? he loved Rachel more, right? But he does it, right? In other words, he accepts it, um, and and he says, "You know what? That's just the breaks. I'm working, and I'm not going to let the what he did m- make my life miserable during this next seven years." Um, and um, as he says, uh, and I, 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 he's not really concerned so much about the Midrashim, that's true, but the Pshat, Bob, is definitely there that he was very, he felt he felt that he did not want Leah, and that Leah was hated. The point that the Ralbag is making out of it is that where it says he, he has relations with Rochel, he loves Rochel, and he works another seven years, why does that have to tell us that he's working? Of course he's working. We were trying to we're trying to get the idea that the same way the first seven years, as the Pusik says, that how he works for her, and he works for her with such um you know, you know he works with her with such uh, simcha, right? As if Kiyomachodim. So and then it compares that to the second seven years which means he might not have been loving it, but he accepts it and he has a good attitude about it. And that's really what the Rabag's point is. We're going to be shafted by bosses in many cases, and we're stuck in a contract that we're not happy with. But you, if you fulfill it and you do it, believe Shalem. You don't do it with griping. 
because that's really going to undermine your whole sense of being. That's his point. Um, similarly, he says that we see here another thing from the fact that Yaakov was upset and then we hear about Leah having children first, he says we see something else, that we should be happy with what God gives us, even if we think it's not good. Because the, the reason why the Torah wrote the story in this way, with Leah having all the children first and, and Rachel having none, is a little lesson that sometimes our frustration about things is, should really be put in perspective. Yaakov was definitely frustrated He's, he, in terms of not getting Rachel. He, there was a hatred that was conveyed to Leah. However, when we read the story, what we should get out of it is that Hmm. We think the thing is not the right thing, but it's really better. Yaakov wanted Rachel more than Leah, and God showed him. You wanted to have children? Leah is actually better. And that should teach a person to sometimes stop before he complains and realize, hmm, hey, this happened to Yaakov. Maybe it's going to work out better this way, the same way it happened there. Now, everything I've told you is, is, is everything we said, and all the 38 lessons are all practical, um, uh, sort of um, lessons that Rab Levi has extracted from this parsha, and he does this consistently in, in ways that no other Rishon does. Now, is this the reason behind this part of the Torah? Or is this some nice little ideas that we can maybe extract from them? It's my contention that the Ralbag feels that this is actually the purpose of why these are in the Torah, the why this dialogue is here, why the narrative is here, why the whole stories of the Torah are here are to take these type of lessons of psychology and attitude and how to act with people, lessons of how to, to get along. The Rabad believes not, and listen to what I'm saying. It's very important, and I'm going to prove it to you in a minute. It's not just that, hey, that's a pretty interesting thing, the Torah, you can get out of the Torah. That's the purpose of why it was written. Not that, hey, you know, I look at the Torah, boy, you know, I, I can use that and tell my son, hey, don't be so upset you didn't get into the college you wanted. Look what happened to Yaakov and Leah. Okay, so, you know what? That's the reason why it's in the Torah, the Rabbi says. Uh, in, other, in other words, what he is going to call, and I'm going to show you in his Hakdama here, let's look in his Hakdama to uh, the Chumash. In his Akdamatul Chumish, the Raubag, I have it here. Okay. Let's see. Let me find it. 
All right. This is the edition of the Ralbag. I bought uh, the page that was reprinted for many years. For many years, this was the only one you could get. Um, and uh, it was at one time printed very large. And you could actually, and you can see it's pretty clear. Uh, the edition that uh, I remember purchasing in 1977 from my father uh, was very small. It's about this size. And I, I made sure that I was able to send it home. It wasn't that easy to find somebody that was going to Memphis that he was able to get it. And uh, I remembered that he said he really was looking forward to have a Raubag, but that it was so it was so small he wasn't able to read it and really appreciate it until you know other new prints came out. But it was one of the Sfarim that was really Muznach. Not like the Rabban and the Chizkuni and Sforno and others. It took years till the Rabag finally got printed in a way that was legible and with notes. It took a very long time. But this is one, this is the edition that many people had for years. So here it is. Um, the Rabag says that we know that the Torah, which is given to us, um, is here to elevate us. Now, God wants to do good to every to the to human beings. He wants them to go el He wants to, and you can see that from the beginning of the Torah. He wants us to strive to become great. Now, the whole purpose of the Torah is a nemos, is, is, is a nomos. Uh, it, it's a method. Yagia, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's ideas that if you live according to them, you will get the true Hatzlocha. V'ra'ui shalo ya'alei mimenu. It's important, and no one should not be aware of it, that we are not able, it's impossible for anyone to really get totally what he can out of the Torah, of being a chocham and being a good person. We can know a little bit. We can get something that's positive, but it's, 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 it's only a, a percentage of what we can get. Most of it we won't get. And the same thing is true about anything we look at. He says, if you look at a planet, if you look at a tree, we can get a lot out of our knowledge of a tree, or maybe the root of a mouth or a tooth or, or a, a nerve ending, right? Even that, we can get a lot out of it. But we're not going to get everything. We're going to get a little bit out of everything. And, and that's the way, even when we look at the world, we can see an incredible aspect of order, but not everything. Only one tiny layer of order compared to what's really there. Now, that's the way it is in Torah as well. The Torah is, is an incredible work. It was organized from God. 
And obviously it's true, but we have to realize that it is, it is, it is, it is quite complex. And even what he's going to write is only an aspect of what one can really gain from it. Just like anything in the planet, in the universe, what we know in it, of its positivity, because we didn't create it, and because of our limited minds, is only going to be part of the story, a very small part of the story. That's true about the Torah and mitzvot as well. Now, what is the Torah in terms of generally the way it can be uh, uh, organized? The main part of the Torah that most people know about is the mitzvot. Hamakifos b'mashnitz tavinu, right? The mitzvot, which basically tell us what to do and what to believe and what to stay away from. That's the Taryag mitzvot. That's an important part of the Torah. But there's another part of the Torah, which is also, if not equal, is extremely substantial. What part is that? Not mitzvot, which are connected to God elevating our neshamot. That somehow by doing this mitzvah, our mind and soul turn into something greater. There's certain parts of the Torah which, are, which teach us how to be a mensch, how to run a city, a state, how to be a good social human being. Asher, look what he says here. Asher lo yitochen bo mitzvah v'avera. You can't call it a mitzvah or an avera and make it part of taryad. Lirocha ki Because it's so hard to be perfect at it. Asher yashire love v'midos v'atchunos v'amon anoshim kulam. Most people cannot become perfect in it. You can have a person who's a perfect tzitzis maker a perfect wearer of tzitzis, a perfect wearer of tefillin, a perfect buyer of the Dalin Minim. You can have that. But to have someone who is perfect in his midos and his attitude in his social graces is impossible. In the Kamosha Evsher Zeb and Mitzvah in a mitzvah from the Torah, you could actually, you might not understand all its depth, but its physical command, you are able to pretty much fulfill. And you can say that guy does that mitzvah perfectly. He does Shiluach HaKain, he knows exactly what bird to do with it, he sends it away, he can do Petra Chamor, he does all those mitzvahs perfectly. But if there would be a mitzvah to to not get angry, as he's going to say in a minute. Okay, don't get angry, but get angry when you need to. Right? The mitzvah is when to use anger and when to restrain it. Or for example, there's a mitzvah to be in a good mood. You need to be in a good mood and have a positive attitude and be completely uh, when you need to. The loan is gaber, or you need to somehow show great courage, but only when it's necessary and where it should be uh, indicated, like other midos. So basically, look what he says here. Basically, if those would be a mitzvah, everybody would get 60s. Everyone would get 65s. People would fail. 
Zulosi Ma'at, Umizirmeim, only some people would have what it takes, the proper training, the proper attitude, the proper sensibility and Tunas Anefesh to be perfect in this way. And most people wouldn't. Who built You can't make a mitzvah out of this. Why? Because most people won't fulfill it. Most people lose their temper. Most people aren't uh, get angry when they shouldn't. Most people don't have their sense of simcha the way it should be. And if those would be mitzvos, people would say, "Yeah, you can't do mitzvos. It's impossible." So people would say, hey, there's no way to fulfill the mitzvah of being a happy person. How can I fulfill the mitzvah of tefillin either? Okay? Look, mitzvahs are impossible. It's impossible. We need Jesus to come and change everything. It's not possible to do mitzvahs. They're going to say, look, there's so many mitzvahs of what you have to be. I can't do any of that. Okay. The Torah says, don't be mean. To an almono, to a yosom, that you can do. The Torah says, don't lend money, beribis, that you can do. But certain things the Torah couldn't command, but they want you to know that it's important. Better than that, it's what the reason the Torah was given. Because you're supposed to, you're supposed to strive to get there, and you have to work on becoming that. It's not just a good lesson you can get out of the Torah. It's the purpose of the reason why the Torah was given. But God couldn't make it a mitzvah. So what did God do? God put it into a story. The Torah gives us the ideas about this. It tells us stories about them. Because we know that they're great. And we hear from Yaakov this story. And we know Yaakov is Mr. Good, Mr. Positive. And from Yaakov's interactions, we start saying, oh, I see. I get it. And it's trying to straighten us. To sort of follow them. And therefore, that was the only way you can do it. So being a mensch and knowing how to act and knowing how to accept and knowing how to deal with things, the Torah couldn't say, be makabo b'sever ponim yofos. Be makabo whenever a crook rips you off and just be b'simcha about it. The Torah couldn't be mitzvah of that because you, normally you wouldn't be able to do it. And therefore you say, this is incredible. What sort of book is this? This is crazy. This is a, a ridiculous book. I can't do this. I can't do any of it. But when the Torah instead created a narrative with people that we were invested in and gave us these details about it, it's really directing us to try to become that. Sometimes, of course, it also tells us, sometimes it tells us the bad stuff they did. Shenasu. And it teaches us the evil that comes out of it. This way we stay away from them. Now the Rabbag has a third part of the Torah, which as he says, is, the, is about the reality of the universe and the depth of the universe. He says, 
The third part of the Torah is that if you look in the Torah, you can see the Chochmos Hanim Tzolz. The chokhma of everything that exists, the physics, the, 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 the mathematical beauty of everything that's there. You probably wouldn't be able to get there using your brain. There's prophetic visions like this Maisa Merkava and other things, which somehow if they're read properly, like with the Ralbag's lenses, will somehow explain the secrets of how the planets and the stars work. The same three sections, which are direct commands, secondly, aspects of how to run a community and be a stable social human being, Three, the wisdom of the secrets behind every of the natural universe. Those are the three things that are in the Torah and the Vimiksuvim as well. Those three parts are in the Talmud as well. The same three parts you can find in the Mishnah and the Talmud. But instead of Nevi'im, what you have over there are cryptic. And, 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 and very oblique statements, not from Nevi'im, but from Amaroyim and Tanoyim, who are basically also the same way. Or stories of Tanoyim and Amaroyim that are similar to the stories of the Ovos. Okay. Um, he then goes into a whole uh, mathematical sort of like figuring out which has to do with the neshama, which has to do with the goof, and some are the soul, some are the mind, some have to do with the body, there's a little bit of this and that, a little bit of there, okay, it gets a little complex and not so, uh, it would be difficult for me to translate well and to show it to you. But I think what we see here is that the Raubag in his introduction has, has said something which I think is, is, is very novel, and that is that we can only learn through story. We can only imbibe and and change in this very complex social way through Sipuria Torah. A command, even if it was written out clear, would lend itself to uh, people would not be honoring it, and it cannot be part of the mitzvahs on Torah. We cannot have, obviously, a real functioning society that God knew would, would happen with only mitzvos. We need to have the stories like the, like the lessons we just saw from Yaakov. If we don't have those lessons, we really don't really have, we have a bunch of uh, people stepping over themselves, making a, a fool of themselves, not knowing what's going on, being frustrated and, 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 and dysfunctional as a community. All those things are not just, all those things are really, God, the Rabbah doesn't want to say they're commands because they cannot be commands like Tariq Mitzvos. But that's part, that is the reason why we have these, this narration. That's the reason why we have the stories of the Torah. They, they are meant to give us these to'eles. Now, Rabbah was very smart and he felt that he had figured out 
what they were for. But whether he's right or wrong about the exact lesson to take out, he is definitely on to something extremely important when he recognizes what's the power of story, the power of the literary lesson that would be impossible to teach from just some didactic way of of just telling you, you must be this way. You need to be invested in Yaakov. And maybe that's part of, you know, if you think about it, why the Chachmei Bovel have forced us to keep on reading this book over and over again. I mean, you would think, just like the Rambam says in Ilkhaz Talmud Torah, that once you reach a certain age, concentrate on the deep parts of the Talmud. You don't need to go over this over and over again. Here, the Chachmei Bovel decided that we need to read the Sipurei HaTorah every single year over and over again. They're in the Torah for a purpose. And it's a purpose that we still haven't plumbed the ultimate depths of, but we need to hear it because this is the part that really cements and and, 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 and gives an actual face to a social community, what he calls the Chela Kamedinius, uh, of, of what it means to be uh, a human being and to live according to the Torah. And that's what an example of these 37 lessons are that we have from last week's Parsha. Here we go. Okay, so here's an example of, of where the Raubag, you know, here's the Raubag, terrible, but he's making a Tawelas out of it. Okay, the Torah tells us that Miriam takes, you know, the sister of Aaron takes her tambourine, right? And all the women go out of her, go out with her with tupim and mecholot after, uh, after the Bnei Yisrael sing this beautiful shira. And of course, Miriam responds to them, shira Adonai ki There's some that say that she actually does the whole thing, but the Torah is makatsir. Okay? Uh, but the Torah doesn't have to write, you know, it's like v'chulu. And you see the great sneeze of the Jewish people. Here's the Ralbag. Oz Yoshir is so brilliant, it's so ma- magnificent. It takes us from the beginning of history to the end of history. It's so deep. Why shouldn't they do that? Because they don't really have the, the type of mind to really comprehend this. So when women want to get involved in praising God, they shouldn't try to do it in the deepest possible way. And that's what we see over here by the Torah writing only one Pasik. He says, Ulam, B'nai Yisrael, Sharu Kolashira Hanifla Azos. Everybody else sang everything. But the women, even though they were led by the greatest of them, by Miriam, one is good enough. You guys just do, that's it, one Pasik is good enough. He says, Wazosa Siba Beinoah. 
Anoshim B'Talmud Torah. And now we understand why women don't have the mitzvah of learning. Ubeshara and mitzvahs, Hanoah goes minhoga. They say, in fact, they don't have a chiv to learn Torah. And Chazal say, if you teach your daughter Torah, it's like you're teaching her tiflus. It's like you're teaching her methods of promiscuity. So the Raubag is famous for these type of what many people have noted is some sort of like misogynistic statements. But here is, again, the Raubag sort of taking a, a narration and extracting what he thinks is what the social society uh, should be like. Now, you can see that here is something where we would all stand up in unison and say, boo, Raubag, boo. And maybe you, you say this every day in Ozyosher. Right? God will bring them, bring him and plant him. Where is he going to bring and plant the Jewish people? Right? In the mountain that is the nachal of God, of his inheritance. So this is basically God bringing us from the desert. Where is he bringing us? To the mountain to the mountain of his inheritance. Um, the Raubag writes here, what do we gain from this Pasek? The whole idea of getting Israel, promise of Israel, it's not because of all the benefits. It doesn't mean just fruits. You know, it means all the natural benefits uh, that, that the land has, all the natural um, advantages, uh, resources that the country has. That's not the reason why God wants us there. Because that is a place that the, 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 the influence of God is stronger there than in any other place on the planet. That's why it doesn't say anything about getting the land in all of Azyashir, except getting Haramaria, coming to Har Nachloscha. That's all. Get the Mikdash. What about the beautiful land of milk and honey? Why isn't that there? Which is what? That's the Mokum of the Beit HaMikdash. Vitaro benachla. Why is it called nachlas, nachlascha? Because that's what the Torah says. Ki ad ata elamenucha And the Gemara in Zvachim says that's referring to the Beit HaMikdash. Raubag is so tricky because he knows when to use the Chazal to prove his drash point. Like, he, like the Chazal he used over there against women, right? And, and over here... He, he said, well, you know the Gemara in Zvalkam that says Nachla means uh, Shiloh, going to the base Amitdash. So you see that the word Nachla isn't just the inheritance, the big spaces of Har Hermon or of the Galil. Nachla means the Mokam Amitdash, Mokam where the Shechina is. He says, because if God really wanted now, he doesn't mean God doesn't want us to enjoy Eretz Yisrael. He keeps on telling us Eretz Yisrael is great. But that's not the main reason he wants to bring us there. If that was the Kavana Rishona Birusha Saaretz, 
the natural resources. So it would mention that in El Ziyashir. Why is the only thing mentioned is Hara Maria? Now, we know it's true that there is great resources there, like the Torah says in many places. But it's secondary. Uz Yashir, which is the primal song to God, teaches us that what's not in Uz Yashir is a secondary significance. Now, of course, it helps to have natural resources. If you have resources, then you can live and come to the base of Mikdash and bring Korbanos and get do all the things that give you the connection to God that's necessary. Because we know, you're not going to get it completely with your neshama if you don't have bread, if you don't have clothing. He's not saying that those things you can live like a hermit, but the fact that this is the only thing mentioned in Azyashir and that the Nachl where he's bringing us tells us that that has to be our hierarchy of significance. And that, again, is really a beautiful understanding that the Rabag is extracted from, from this, this song. And he feels that should be something that we need to know. And, and we, get it at a, we get it from in a poetic fashion. We don't get it from actual psukim in the Torah where, from any mitzvos. We get it from literary analysis of the song that represents uh, our, our, our first important bonding as a people with God. And this really, again, is reflective of the type of, uh, of, of, of things that the Raubag is able to extract. And, and, and you can see why the Toelison of the Raubag were printed as a separate safer, as their own book. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.